Patrick, I had a silly idea about the podcast barbecue. Ooh. We steal people away for like 10 minutes at a time and just have a quick, quick little. A little like recording, just like yes. a chat. Oh my God. It's like, okay, you've had four beers. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that would be great. Like a special episode. That would be I gold. Think, I think it'd be pretty funny. I Every time we that. pass the joint, you have to tell a story. <laughs> Holy shit. Puff, puff, pass. What's your secrets? Tell it to the podcast. Tell it to the world. Learn something while you can. Sophie, uh-huh. are you just holding your mic? Is, yeah. is that how you're going to roll? <laughs> <laughs> I decided to take it off the mic stand because I was trying to fix it so that I could, like, so that I could, I guess, get it closer to my face and then see y'all too. And it just, mm-hmm. it wasn't working out. I was like, it's I'm going to just hold it. <laughs> it's a tough one. Yeah. That's actually what I thought was interesting was I saw, so one of my other favorite podcasts, which is also from NPR, surprise, surprise. <laughs> oh. I'm literally just an NPR tote girl. Um, <laughs> but it was um, it's been a minute with Sam Sanders and I saw him interviewing Eric Andre about his new movie which I really want to see where they were just both like I'm pretty sure Eric Andre was literally just like laying in bed with like a microphone kind of like hanging up like here he's just kind of <laughs> like talking into it like all super relaxed like yeah then we did this and that and I was like that's how the podcast is recorded and it sounds crystal clear the fuck guys right like some of my favorite artists you know how they have like the behind the scenes things and everything some of my favorite artists are just like in the bedroom you know Mm -hmm. chilling and it sounds like perfect so yeah Yeah, like literally like what like what tim talked about earlier is like we like he's like yeah in this room i have as much technology as the beatles had if not more like yeah you don't it's easy to overthink it yeah. And y'all sure. started with what those garage band microphones or whatever? Like I, I have no idea. Rock band. Oh Rock yeah. Rock band. Yeah. Yeah. Sophie, are you recording on your end on Logic? Yes. Yes. I do. Heck yeah. Well. Uh, um. <laughs> well, welcome to Fuel by Lore. I'm hey. podcast. <laughs> I'm. This is a podcast. I am Patrick. I'm a host of a podcast. Joining me is Sophia. I go by Luca Rose as my artist name. So that's. Yeah. That's the musician artist yeah. name, I guess. The stage name. Yeah, and, there you go. That's what and, it's called. And I'm also joined by my co-host. Oh, hi, I'm Beth. I'm here for moral support. <laughs> <laughs> and this is as professional it. as this 
we'll ever get. Um, so we introduced ourselves. We've never done that before. I know. I think we did that in like the first episode, and then that was it. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us. Aw. Fun stuff. I've loved listening to y'all's um, past episodes and stuff. <laughs> They've been Aww. fun to hear. Aw. I have Aww. to say, I think my favorite one was the one where y'all were talking about. Like, I think what which books made you cry the most? Oh. I was like, this is relatable. <laughs> oh. Oh. Which we, pe- What books make you cry, Sophia? Let's ooh. just jump, jump there. Ooh. I couldn't say. I guess there was one that I was reading called uh, The Prayer Box. It, I, like, picked it up when I was, like, 12 years old in a bookstore, and I didn't read it until a year ago. And that made me cry. So that was a good one. I haven't read a book in a while, to be honest. Same. I would like to get back to it, though. You know a book that you should go out and read? <laughs> what book? Um, it's this book called Norn's Legend, um, written by this awesome person named Jenny Bologna, who we talked to last week, but you can get it on Amazon, so you should definitely buy it. Ooh, it's I will very... check that out. Oh, yeah. Hell Yeah. Awesome. So I guess I just had another question that I was meaning to ask earlier, and so I'm just going to talk until I can remember it, um, <laughs> because it is entirely gone. Oh, so we were talking about, um, you know, we already kind of touched on, like, Beth mentioning, oh, you guys started off on this kind of mic, that kind of mic. So I'm also interested in how did you exactly get into recording and stuff, because... Ooh. I am interested as an artist and also as your cousin. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, like, for me, like, I started off with, like, just, like, the random little, like, Walmart or, like, rock band mic that I could plug into a computer and figure out, like, <gasps> I can record something. And even, like, recording on, like, tapes. So, like, what is your story as to, like, how you dove headfirst into the world of recording arts? Oof. Um... I guess I went through some stuff, and I've always wanted to make music, so I, like, went through some things, and then one day I was like, you know what, I'm gonna write a song, and I got on my my iPad on GarageBand, and I had my little Apple headphones, and I just, you know, did a little beat (laughs) in GarageBand (laughs) with their little samples and everything, and used the FX stuff that they have, and then I just sang over it on my headphones, and I think I showed it to you, and you... My, I think you like tweaked it a little bit and this was before I knew anything about like reverb and you know panning and all that stuff and so do you remember it? I totally remember that now yeah yeah yeah, yeah I think you like showed me that and then I was like super excited because I'd never looked at like GarageBand on like an iPad and like the actual the user interface is actually super nice yeah it's pretty it decent was, right? I was really impressed yeah so I was yeah, not that... anticipating that Right? It's pretty good. But, um, yeah, so that was how I started. And then I guess after that, I had just been making songs doing that. And then I had a friend who was like, I like your music and you need a microphone. And he bought me <laughs> this mic. And nice. so this is that same one. And I haven't upgraded yet. I've been using someone else's mic and they're like a twi- Apollo twin interface to record. Nice. And so I haven't been on this mic for a second, but this is my mic. Nice. The little AKG P120, AKG P120, <laughs> um, since nobody else will see this video, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what about you? How did you get into 
recording. Ooh, turning the tables, I see. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, I remember being, like, really young, I think probably somewhere in the range of, like, 7 to 10, probably, and I don't know if I got my dad to download Audacity or if it was already downloaded, but I remember going on there, and they had some, like, random features, and I tried to make some, I definitely recorded, like, a song somehow, and it just, I would basically kind of, like, pretend like I like kind of like write songs in my head almost and then like dream up like how the music video would look like and that was kind of like it was just kind of like my little like pretend kind of thing and I definitely recorded one and it was I hope that will never be found I was probably (laughs) nine or so and at the time I could only play violin and then I know in middle school I saw my friend's band play they you know just few of them got together and they covered like seven nation army and they played at some school function or something they just i think it was like the talent show or something and they played that i was like that's cool and so then i was you know dead set on figuring out how i could you know learn guitar so i kind of found a way to you know my dad had a guitar and i started kind of learning on that and then that led to getting another guitar and then now i'm at the point where i have my collection of instruments and it started there and I'd record myself you know pretty shittily on like audacity in my dad's basement just doing whatever and kind of went from there I still didn't understand like how to get an electric guitar sound into the computer that took until at least like middle of high school but that's kind of where it started and then I started putting on basement gigs um, once a month in my basement and I started recording that way because it was all acoustic guitar and that I knew how to do. I figured out how to set up a mic and then go from there. And then this is actually literally the mic that I've had since high school and it's the oh, condenser cool. mic um, that I've used for pretty much everything and I've recorded almost everything you can record with this mic. I now have quite an arsenal of mics um, like now because I'm ready to kind of like record not only myself but other people as well so I'm actually looking forward to um what's it called I get to record drums um on Wednesday and I'm super excited I haven't done that since high school and I actually kind of know what I'm doing now so it's coming up fast I'm so excited that's awesome yeah you were telling me about all of the um mics and stuff that you were getting into and how you were about to record drums and all that stuff and I was like oh that's cool yeah yeah I'm also it's it's also interesting because I know that your approach is a little bit different from like what I'm used to using as an approach for like recording and stuff because I know Mm -hmm. you have you either like develop a a beat using like synth and midi and then um or you you know find a a beat that you can use that's in like public domain or like um buy it as well Mm -hmm. so I was also interested that was also like I don't know. I don't know why that's not something I ever looked into. And Faith said that she did the same thing on her episode. And their song that we recorded together is kind of like she did the same thing where she did that. And then I helped kind of recreate that beat sort of thing. And so I don't know why I never thought of like going into that aspect because I'm super interested in MIDI and synth um, approaches, but it's not something that I've been able, I felt confident in really. Like I'll add some like basic MIDI stuff behind in the background, but so I'm, I'm always interested. So how, 
you know, is there something that speaks to you about a certain beat when you're like listening to it that you're like, I want to write something? Is there like an internal like melody that just kind of pops out? I guess sometimes like if I'm listening to a beat, I haven't been doing that quite as much lately. I've been trying to push myself to create my own stuff. And like I usually I guess I start with the drums or try to go to I really love like pianos and pads and everything. Um, I guess it's just like melodies that bring out emotion i guess so um usually i just try to go for a melody that sparks like an idea or i'll start with like i'll be having a conversation with something and i'll say something and just it'll be like oh that could be cool for like a song lyric and then i'll go out and find some beat or you know instrumental that would work with it and so i guess that's kind of how it goes but it's interesting that you say that because you know, you usually work with the live instruments instead of like the MIDI keyboard and the synths and stuff. I have always wanted to do that more than I have with the MIDI keyboard, but I haven't felt confident in that area as much as I have with the synths and MIDI keyboards and just the sounds and logic and going through splice and stuff. So, yeah, that was yeah. interesting that you said that. Yeah, I mean, it's there's how there's an infinite amount of approaches to songwriting and it's that's what's so cool about it honestly so and you know every now and then you get the opportunity to collaborate and that's one thing that we talked about with jenny too was that she also gets to play music live with her boyfriend like in tim who is episode four as well <laughs> to uh um and they get to perform in a band and she mentioned like you know there's just something different about performing and creating with other people like that is there's just kind of like a communal sense right so do you write and record and I guess you don't do much performing, you said, have you? I've done one performance, and that was back, like, when I was trying to rap and do, like, the rapping thing. That was kind of how I started <laughs> out, was rapping more than singing. Um, but that I did one performance, and I haven't done one since then. That was, like, two years ago. So, mm. yeah. So, so have you done it all, like, solo, or have you gotten to, like, collaborate and work with other people kind of thing? Or is it just kind of mainly you? Um, I would say, like, my boyfriend makes a lot of music, and I've learned a lot of the producing stuff from him. And so I work a lot with him, and I, if I have a song idea, usually, like, I bounce it off of him, and I'm like, hey, what do you think of this melody? Or could I fix these drums somehow to make it have more of a bounce? So usually that's pretty much the only person I collaborate with. Other than that, not really. It's usually just me in my bedroom just listening to some music and you know getting inspired and then figuring out which way to go so nice. good stuff <laughs> yeah yeah it's always interesting do you do you have like one like primary source of inspiration do you think or is it kind of all over the place Ooh, i would say like emotions which i i guess i would say i'm a pretty emotional person if we're being honest here yeah <laughs> um and so I usually, like, if I get frustrated or if there's something going on in my life, usually I try to, like, write about it to get it out. It's kind of like my, I guess, um, what is it called? I forget the word. But, like, how you get things out. What is that word? Like a vent? Yeah, like a yeah. vent or... Um, Expression, release. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. There's a specific word that I'm looking for. Like, not a vice. Um, hmm. It's gone from my from my brain. 
but <laughs> welcome to the podcast industry yes <laughs> we talk until we don't know what's going on <laughs> exactly but yeah so it's kind of just where i get things out and yeah venting is probably a pretty good way to put it um so yeah but i feel like usually i am inspired more by like negative emotions hmm. it feels way easier to write and create with like and I don't mean that to sound like depressing. It's just like, that's what I'm like drawn to, I guess, as far as like creating. And I've been trying to figure out how to make more, uh, make more like upbeat and up-tempo songs and stuff about, you know, happier subjects. <laughs> and um, I feel like that's a, an obstacle that, I've, that I tend to face is writing more about sad things, even if it is like a happy season in my life. So, yeah, mostly by, like, emotions, but a lot of, I guess, negative emotions, interestingly enough. I mean, like, emotions are fucking powerful, especially, like, especially the bad ones, because it's like, you can feel happy and get that serotonin boost, but dude, like, when you're on an angry rampage and you're writing or you're painting and you're (laughs) just, like, getting it out, there's something about that that's so satisfying. Right. I don't know. I agree. Yes. It's always it's always like satisfying to be like, damn, this is something good that came out of that or like beautiful. And yeah. so looking back and seeing that. Yeah, and I don't think it's like depressing to only write about like, you know, negative emotions or having negative emotions be like your primary inspiration or jumping off point. Like you know, I guess one thing that a lot of people I guess that you kind of see in public uh, perspective of like artists or like creative types is like, oh, you're all fucking depressed. (laughs) Like which came first, the music or the misery, that kind of thing. (laughs) It's like you look at all of that and, you know, it's, it's a way to untangle and express that emotion, even if you're not entirely sure why you're experiencing it or exactly what it is. So for me, it's kind of like at least my art and like writing and performing is kind of just like it's, you know, it's therapeutic, um, where yeah. it's an, a way to express yourself and get those emotions out. Just like you said, Sophie, where it's like, uh, oh, you kind of like write it out and you get it, you know, out of your system almost like you release it into the world kind of thing, but in like a creative and, you know, I guess positive way. So it's kind of just like a transfer of that negative emotion into something, I guess, I don't want to use the word productive, but like into something that you can create. Yeah. Like I don't, the reason I don't want to use the word productive is that I feel like a lot of people get in like, Sophie, you and I have talked about this is that there's such a, like a, almost just like a weight or expectation that you need to produce something or be productive at all times kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that that is one of the most toxic things about this world is like you don't always have to be productive but we all get hung up on this like oh i need to be you know productive or useful with my time and like Mm -hmm. if you enjoyed the time that you quote unquote wasted like it wasn't wasted was it like did you enjoy watching that tv show that you sat and binged for four hours hell yeah (laughs) starbucks (laughs) yeah well i was late to the podcast (laughs) i sure did (laughs) oh man i love that (laughs) Yeah, like, sometimes you gotta go to a coffee shop and just watch anime. Like, Hell yeah. that's fine. Like, 
whatever, <laughs> you know, gets you going, whatever makes your day. It doesn't have to be, it's, you don't have to finish that song today. Right. But I think it's, it's a tough, like, balance because sometimes it does help to push yourself to finish things. Yeah. I don't know. It's, life is literally just a stupid fucking balance and we talk about, <laughs> you know, what's it called? Um, contrasting ideas on this podcast all the time. It's just like, <laughs> Share your art, but don't share your art if you don't want to. Get this thing done, but don't finish it. Don't push yourself too hard. Like, you're fine. Exactly. Life is all about, like, finding that balance. And, you know, some people are going to be more lax about it, and some people are not going to be as lax about it, and that's okay. It's whatever Mm. works for you, so. Yeah. And I feel like a huge part of that is, like, not judging yourself for what Mm. you're doing and what you're going through. I feel like in this... Um, like these generations are all about like posting the grind all over Instagram and like, oh, I'm doing DoorDash and, you know, I'm working a nine to five and then I'm doing the night shift here. And it's all about, I feel like everyone's trying to be like, I'm doing all of this all the time and then I'm creating and then I'm, and like, you know, I feel like this generation has really put a pressure on themselves to be perfect in the sense of like quote-unquote success Hmm. and um and like of course like it's good to you know work and make your money and do your things but I also feel like it it should be a balance of you know it's okay to take a day or even a week or even if you have a season like even a month you know it just depends it's okay to you know take that time to not be productive you know so I definitely agree with that as far as that pressure that we put on ourselves can be very toxic. Oh, social media. Oh, yeah. What a beautiful, ugly thing. Uh-huh. I was, like, I, going to bed the other night, like, not posting on Instagram, and I got stressed out about it. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Like, that shit's crazy. Like, it's so true. That it. We... You're right, Patrick. We contradict ourselves all the time. That's that's literally, (laughs) like, existing as a human fucking being, you know? Like, um, we take these times, and um, I think a good word word to, like, use in these, like, little chats is exploring. Um, Like, we're sitting down and we're, like, exploring our emotions through the things that we're working on. And we're, like, exploring them even when we're not working on them. And we're, like, exploring ourselves when we have time off. Like, when you're constantly giving yourself to, like... Uh, like a head down to the ground grind. I don't think you give yourself the opportunity to like sit back and explore things. I don't know. Maybe, maybe like maybe it's going around in your head. But um, anyway, I brought this up because I, I was still thinking about um, working on um, sad projects um, and things because it's like um, I don't know. The the thing that popped into my head is like the sort of you. Sophia making sort of um, sad things sometimes like you probably get that voice that's like oh poor little baby making <laughs> sad music about her life like that's, right like yeah. what, what kind of bullshit is that it's like shut up demon like it's, I am... yeah it's literally like that little devil on the shoulder sitting there like oh yeah you're gonna make another sad song <laughs> I feel yes, that I fucking <laughs> am because like I want to explore how I'm feeling and see like how I can express that in various ways and see if this is like an interesting way to do it or like I don't know um right. I just mm. 
Yeah, we gotta like, give there's space. Yeah, like if you write only sad music, that's fine. Like you can be, like sometimes it's just you know your way of expressing and kind of I guess like balancing out your emotions. Like, like shit. Some like I'd imagine like I don't know. Almost all of the people who write like a lot of people that I know who write like super sad songs and stuff that I've met, they're almost like the happiest people you ever see. And you know that's not saying that like you know they aren't dealing with anything but like in some cases it's that's the front and it's you know sad music is their way to kind of be totally honest with themselves and then in other people it's a way to balance their emotions and that they have these like you know these depressive thoughts or something and then writing music and performing music or creating art sad Mm -hmm. art of some type is kind of like how they manage it and then you know it's like for me sometimes just if I'm in like a really sad mood or am I like really down on myself about something sometimes just playing the right song whether I listen to it or like I play it myself it just can change the entire trajectory of that day mm-hmm. and it's just you know art is this genuinely magical thing where creating it or experiencing it can literally change how our day our week our month our year, our life is going at a certain moment. And it just get if it's the right thing gets applied at the right time, you know, anything can happen and it's incredible. Yeah. Um, it can elicit so much emotion. It can act on the emotion you're already feeling. It can, you know, flip your mood into a different emotion. Like it's, you know, it's incredible. It's so cool. And there should be no shame in like, Oh, I write a whole bunch of sad songs. Like, that's how you're feeling and you're being honest with yourself and that's hard to do that's you being vulnerable and you should be proud of the fact that you're totally comfortable or maybe not totally comfortable you're creating something that's an honest expression expression and reflection how you're feeling and how you're handling something like right that takes a lot yeah and it's crazy because like i've had people tell me um and like people that I'm close with where I don't take offense to it, but I've had people say like, like, why are you making sad songs all the time? Like, why do you keep making sad songs? People want to hear happy stuff. And I'm like, damn, man, I'm not the only one going through something sad in this season. Like someone will consume it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe, hopefully. <laughs> people want to hear happy songs. Shut the fuck up. I'm making my own music. I know. Like, <laughs> I'm like, come on, man, whatever. Yeah. Like, Sometimes, like, I also definitely, like, 90% of the songs that I write are definitely sad songs, for sure. And I've switched from doing, like, minor key stuff into, like, major key stuff, but the lyrics are still sad for the most yeah. part. But, which is kind of funny, but, um, <laughs> funny and also sad. But, um, uh, I guess one thing that I think was super interesting, and these are actually some of the songs that I really like to revisit, is, so, like, I have a song that I'm really proud of, where basically, like, I wrote... It took several years to write the song because I had this idea and it came out really cool. And it was kind of about, I was at this point in a relationship where I was like, oh, things are pretty bad, but like, I feel like we'll make it through. And so it kind of turned into like this hopeful song. It's like, oh, everything's tough right now. And we're not the same. It's okay that we've changed, but we're still together kind of thing. And then I wrote like most of it and I wasn't super happy with all of it, but I really liked like the first half, like the verse and the chorus. Like I liked those parts. And then that song like kind of faded away and then I revisited a few years after after that relationship ended 
and then I just rewrote the second half from like a different perspective and it kind of wrote you know told a story of like oh things are bad but we're gonna be good and this is gonna work out to like not kind of sucked it didn't work out and you know I feel like for me I really liked that approach too is that it started off as like maybe a happy song and then it turned into kind of a sadder song but it also kind of had like it's just I've had a lot of songs where it's like I went out to write a happy song and it turned sad or I went out to write a sad song and it turned happy kind of thing and it's just like I don't know just write whatever you're feeling and that's you know for me authenticity goes the furthest so like I've tried forcing myself to write happy songs and you know it doesn't always work right yeah and that's something that when you said the um the that you've tried to like make songs in major keys instead of minor keys that's also something I've been trying to do is figure out how to make songs they can still be sad but maybe even be up tempo hmm. and that I thought that that was a cool take um I don't know have you guys heard I'm sure you've heard of him, um, XXX Tentacion. Um, he passed away. Mm. He has a really famous song called Look at Me. But he also has a couple other songs, like there's one called Sad and Moonlight, and it's literally about like suicide and depression, but they're like super upbeat, um, high tempo, you know, great songs that would be like great at concerts and stuff and not like super slow and everything like mm-hmm. that but the lyrics are still really sad when you really listen to them yeah that's like uh um that Dude, one I... song by andre 3000 oh, that is literally about how um people you know don't really read into the lyrics and so it's literally a happy song in a major key but if you listen to the lyrics it's like god damn this is sad um and it's literally talking about how people don't pay attention to the lyrics i'm it's the i i don't want to say that it's called all right but it might be the song all right yeah i actually saw someone post like a meme about that on their story the other day i don't know if it was you it could have been you i don't know if you posted anything about (laughs) it but it literally was just what you said it was like anybody ever listened to the lyrics of this song (laughs) like this is sad (laughs) How how are you? What it, so what at all do you do outside of like the podcast and you know art and work and everything? What's life like outside outside of all of that? Oh I well, s- like within all of that, I guess. <laughs> within all <laughs> of that, it's mo- <laughs> well, I mostly just make these silly dragon paintings. This is the bitch that's been kicking my ass. Oh um, shoot, silly! That's cool. What the hell? Thank that you. Is that silly? That's dope. What? Which is, um, I don't know, I, I think about, like, um, we were talking about the Venn art and stuff, and, like, you know, when I was, like, little doing art, dude, I was drawing, like, dragons and, like, like angry wolves and stuff all the time, like, blood everywhere, and it's just, like, it's just awesome to get shit out like that. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's I don't know, I think it's um, healthier. Yes. Then um, me freaking out on somebody or me bottling it up and then freaking out on somebody exactly. when I could just like sit in my room and fume a little bit and just draw an angry little dog picture. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Yeah, I. that's really cool that you had that as a kid because I feel like a lot of kids don't have that freedom to, you know, 
indulge or don't even know about like creativity and all that stuff and so that's cool that you had like the art as an outlet oh there's the word that i was looking for an outlet outlet hey we (laughs) found it (laughs) (laughs) but that's cool that you had that and that you've been drawing since you were a kid that's awesome oh i totally have but um you said you started making art on the ipad so oh yeah (laughs) that's that's not i mean that's a ipad came out how long ago who knows oh but i was like it was like my freshman year of college so it's like oh there you go not super like long ago i'm 20 22 yeah i'm 22 so like it wasn't that long ago that i started music i guess like it was like i had to be 18 18 or 19 i think it was 18 so Yeah. yeah it wasn't like I guess I wasn't like a kid with an iPad. That w- that would be crazy, I guess. <laughs> but well, yeah, I was just curious on yeah. the timeline because I like. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it was more of like. In as a child, I always loved art, and mm-hmm. my favorite artist. Have you heard of Mac Miller? Oh yes. Yeah, he is by far hand, like hands down my favorite artist, and so nice. he um, inspired me a lot, and then. Even before that, I used to be obsessed with, like, country music, and I would always try and sing, and I was into all of that, but I never thought that I could sing, so I never did it, and never really got into music until after, like, some things happened, and I was like, you know what, screw it, and I had literally nothing else to, like, even get into to express myself or, you know, let anything Mm -hmm. out, so... It really came down to me being like, well, damn, like, I love writing. I've always written, like, poems and, you know, little excerpts and stuff like yeah. that. But, um, yeah, so it ended up me just being like, well, I might as well try this. And then I figured out there's GarageBand on the iPad and started yeah. trying to work with that. So that was how it worked. So I was, like, a little older when I got into the whole creating thing. But it took me a while to find my way into where I wanted to go and the direction I wanted to take. Well, dude, that's fucking awesome. I'm glad you found, like, a medium. Yeah, thank you. Because there's, like, there's being creative and there's writing and doing things that, like, make you feel a little fulfilled. And then there's finding the thing to create a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in the the way that, um, like, I make paintings, like, this is everything into a painting. This is all everything that I've learned onto this thing. It's like everything that you've learned in your life experience, all of the writing, all of the processing of feelings, all of the like understanding of cool music, you know, right. that can you, you can, that you can use to apply to create something yourself. I don't know. Yeah, no, lit. that's agreed. <laughs> you said lit. Yeah. Um it is it's pretty cool how like I feel like hearing people's stories and how they come to art and what inspires mm-hmm. it like whether it was something they went through in childhood or just needing to get out all of those emotions. And I feel like our generation also, or I don't know, I guess we're not the same generation, but (laughs) similar, close enough. Um, Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, who cares? We're right on the edge. Like we literally, in certain online BuzzFeed articles were millennials, other certain BuzzFeed articles were Gen Z. It's right. It's all dumb. That weird, like, 93 to, like, 1999. Yeah, is I kind think of I like called f- us Zillennials in, like, one of our, one of our episodes. I've heard that. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But, um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I feel like it's it's there's no good way to give like a hard like border to certain generations. There's just like the there's like the five to ten year range that's like the heart of it. Yeah. And then there's kind of like the transition, and we're just kind of like the weird transition. Right. Like we're every. All in our tw- yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just gonna make a joke that we're all in our twenties, but my brain is apparently fully developed according to science. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right? I'm quickly undeveloping it anyway. <laughs> That's good. Um, oh, I was going to say, you know, it's like that whole like 90s baby. It's like the 90s baby starter pack or, you know, you know, those like memes where they're like anime starter pack or yeah. whatever it is. And I'll recognize like most of the things. But everyone's like, you have to know all of this to be qualified as a 90s baby. I'm like, I'm like right on the edge as like 99. But my brothers grew up in like, you know, or as kids not grew up in but you know so all of that stuff kind of transferred over between our quote-unquote generations yeah so yeah (laughs) yeah I mean it's been a fascinating thing to grow up in because we watched you know we went from internet where you couldn't be on the phone and on the internet at the same time and (laughs) Right. Then we saw iPhones, which took care of everything. Mm-hmm. So oh it's just something, it's drastic. <laughs> and now our lives are connected, and I have to take another call. God damn it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Patty. That's funny. Um, hello. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he said, hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that stays in the podcast. That would be fun. Right. Please. Just the distant Patty. Hello. I love that. Aw. To nice. be honest, I feel like I smell like Starbucks right now from sitting in there. You know how, like, the smell, like, if you go into a restaurant, it smells like your clothes start to get the smell oh. of the restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I oh, still yeah. feel like I smell like coffee. I have an obscene amount of coffee, and I'm about it. <laughs> see i like decaf coffee like the yeah the caffeinated it just makes me jittery i guess Mm -hmm. my brain can't handle it (laughs) i used to be one of those bitches that's like death before decaf lol Mm -hmm. but now i'm like now i'm an adult and i understand yes right needs that was that was me that was definitely me um but decaf (laughs) is very good i've actually switched to i don't really do decaf coffee but i do caffeine free tea Mm-hmm. Oh, this is why I buy it by my, for myself. I found this really good lavender chamomile tea, Ooh. just a simple Bigelow tea. It's where it's at because you get the nice calming lavender and the chamomile, so you get the sleepy time tea plus the calming lavender. Good nighttime tea to drink while you are reading. Sounds good. Any book recommendations? <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, so. If you're into some sad boy, sad girl shit, yeah. definitely read the books um, Normal People and Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney. Are those two separate books? They're two separate books, uh, same author. Normal People was actually adapted into a series on Hulu. Oh, shoot. Which I is better? Also... The book or? Yeah, the book like... or like the show. They're both really good. The show does a really good job of capturing the sh- uh, the book, but 
um, it does deal a lot with like mental health and stuff. Okay. And so the book just captures that so much better. Like the show does the best that it can, but there's certain aspects that it genuinely could not capture. Right. So it did the best. It's as good as it can be, I think. But in my opinion, you should read the book first and you can appreciate the show a little bit more by doing that. I would also recommend uh, Pachinko is a beautiful book. I love that one. I can also just, maybe I'll just make, put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'll send you a list for sure. <laughs> okay, cool. Because I'm trying to type it out, but I'm like, how do I spell pachinko? Yeah, that one's gold. The okay. Mercies is really good. Yeah, I, I could go on. I have, I'll just, let me just go read everything on my bookshelf that I'd recommend. And then we'll go from there. <laughs> just post a picture Sounds of your bookshelf good. to the Instagram. Oh, that's Ooh. a good idea. Oh, damn. Okay. That's I'll actually just, like, a good idea. Put a nice little <laughs> filter on there. I'll release my, I have, I've literally, cause, so I've talked about this a couple times. So in 2020, before COVID like took hold, um, I was, I wanted to start reading like for fun and for myself again. Mm-hmm. And so I set a goal and I think this is like one of the only um, New Year's resolutions that's ever like I've done well with. And I can definitely thank COVID for it to an extent um, <laughs> right. where I was like, I'm going to read at least one book a month this year. And I crushed it. I read like 20-something books. Oh, um, wow. And I felt so good about it. Um, but I also started a – we I joined a book club with a couple of friends over quarantine, so we'd meet on Zoom and talk about it, and that was so much fun. I would highly recommend doing a book club. I would love to start a book club again, actually. It was so much fun. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'll happily join. I mean, that, like, books are great. You can literally just get lost in them. And it's better, I feel like it's better than TV because it requires, like, your attention. And then. You have to both process and imagine at the same time. There you go. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Books will never die. And I'm so happy about that. I. Mm I'm so happy I kind of like rekindled this love for reading. And the nice thing is like, I also appreciate audiobooks and stuff too, which is great for my job because I do a lot of driving around. So I've been like getting really into audiobooks. And that's also what helped really dive me into an appreciation for podcasts. And so it's just been. Oh my God. Oh. Uh, tornado warning. Anyway. Oh my god. I was gonna say Amber Alert or what? Damn, a tornado okay. warning. Sorry okay. about that. Oh um, shit. Uh, I gotta go. I think. Hello, I'm your host Patrick Garner. At this point in the podcast, two tornadoes were visibly forming outside of Beth's house, so we took a break and reconvened the next day. One thing that Beth and I had talked about before. Um, about this podcast is maybe adding a quote at the beginning of some podcasts, so I guess I'll read one to you now that we found. This quote is, Abandon certainty. That's life's deepest command. That's what life's all about. We're a probe into the unknown, into the uncertain. If certainty is knowing absolutely an absolute future, then that's only death disguised. Such a future becomes now. This is from the book Children of Dune by Frank Herbert. Now I'll um, get out of the way and let you guys get back to the podcast. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, love you guys. Beth's all safe. We are all set and safe from the tornado, but welcome to the drama podcast. Thanks. Yeah, I had 
abandoning things. I I don't need like I I sock my backpack real quick in case I had to go somewhere. You know, I grab my vape batteries. I have my sketchbook. I was ready. Um, but <laughs> all the essentials. All the essentials. Um, <laughs> what what is in your guys's um like? I got to split, like what's, what's in your bag? Like, do you have like a book in your bag? Do you have like something to do? Just like, just. Oh, damn. That's I'm a good question. I'm about that. Cause it's like, I know I'm like, I'm, I'm packing like this pair of jeans, these shoes and like these, this shirt. And like, that's it. You know, I'll be good for three days with this outfit and my, like my sketchbook yeah. and my little makeup baggie. I just need eyeliner and my vape and I'll be okay. You said, <laughs> hmm, that is a good question. I think for me, first and foremost, chapstick gotta have the chapstick um oh you know it's real dry out there in georgia you oh totally <laughs> so dry i've been dying because it's been so humid out here mm. it's it's been terrible. zoom cut out where are you in georgia i see yeah um super muggy for no reason i'm like it's not even it's not even technically summer yet is it or is it just i'm not pretty summer? sure it is now oh it is okay I could be wrong. We're also supposed to get to 90 degrees today, so I might be just, you know, talking out of my ass about it, but it's supposed to hit 90 today, so. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hot. Jeesh. That's black. I, lo- I love the heat in the summer and the sunshine and stuff, but sometimes the heat gets to me. What's your favorite summer, Sophia? Or my favorite season? I said season? summer. Season? Um... I guess probably spring or fall. Yeah. It used to be fall, but I'll have to say spring cuz yeah. it's just it's just like life. Everything's turning green again. Yes. There's just something about it. They're really cuz it's like fall is beautiful, but spring you're sort of like aching for that renewal. I feel like yeah. so when everything yeah. starts turning green and it starts getting like warm outside, you're just like I don't know, you feel alive in a way that yeah. like you f- exactly you feel like the seasonal depression like melt away a little bit <laughs> yes like exactly. literally mm. yeah. Yep. yeah i also love that's like a perfect segue because on our um definitely scheduled podcast break there in the middle of the episode <laughs> um, oh, totally i actually ended up on like my spotify discover weekly when i was driving around um porter robinson showed up on my and i'm immediately getting a work call perfect oh no (laughs) beautiful work calls at least it's not a tornado touching down oh yeah they're actually calling about a tornado touching down over there oh probably probably damn what were your thoughts when that happened like your final thoughts um my biggest i think the thing that was just like constantly going through my head is like what do i do now you know like yeah like what what do I what is what is my course of action? I was like, you know, I I wasn't thinking about like little things like, oh man, like everything in my house is gonna be destroyed or like and I wasn't like the the thought because I, I knew we would have my dogs and stuff, so um they're right. easy to pack away. But I wasn't concerned about um like all the art that I would lose or like my fish tank or like any or like anything else or my laptop or my whatever. I was just like, what do I do so we get away from this and then it's like well okay so where do we go how long are we down there like like boarding up the windows just and then after that I was just like the adrenaline rush was insane I was just like 
all right you know right i know you came back when after like that person was calling your name and you came back in and you were like there's a tornado outside the door i was like no freaking way that i don't even know what to say to that right now (laughs) yeah i i didn't either i was like wait really (laughs) yeah so that was and you yeah it was just like i could definitely tell that there was gonna be some adrenaline going on there (laughs) like how could there any anytime you have something that's like oh shit i need a course of action for this thing that's going to change um (laughs) my afternoon like immediately or possibly your life like you have no idea what's gonna happen there no seriously and it's like because because i'm like okay we could we could drive but if we drive then maybe everybody else is driving then we hit traffic and we all get stuck and this and that and it was just oh my gosh sheesh loophole yeah. <laughs> I know. Have you have you ever been in like like a what what is the word natural disaster situation? Hmm. I maybe I think when I was a kid there were a few times where there was like a tornado warning or a tornado watch or something and we would have to go down to the basement and mm-hmm. hide down there. I don't know if we ever, like, spent the night downstairs in the basement, but nothing that was, like, traumatic as far as, like, natural disasters. Yeah. So, is that, like, the first time that you've had to experience, like, the tornado kind of thing, or? Not really. I've been in um, close proximity before, and that time, um, I was was actually really afraid because it was, like, so freaking close, but, like... This time, I don't know, I maybe I'm just like, I was um, weirdly excited, you know? There wasn't like, <laughs> like deep fear. I was just like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Yeah, I get it, what it you was mean. really weird. Um, but no, I've had to like hold down in the basement <laughs> before of my old house. And it, that shit's crazy. Just being like, okay, <laughs> we are at the mercy of nature once again. Yeah, which is like, the wildest shit, you know? It's insane, right? And we are destroying nature at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> and like making like sudden weather changes like this worse, and this and that, and yeah. And the other thing that always floats around my head when it comes to natural disasters is like, oh man, this is like natural na- general natural disaster is like top five fear. Yellowstone natural disaster is like top one or two. Um, yeah. Could you imagine? We were dead. Jeez. If not immediately, within the following, like, times, because every... Uh, I'm not going to get into it, because sh- shit's crazy. It's but... insane. Like, you know that timer, um, or that clock that they put up in Times Square during COVID, or something like that, about... It was like a countdown, saying we had so many years left if we continued the way that we are. Oh, my God. And I was like, damn. For and it's like, change? that's just... Yeah. yeah, or something like that. Yeah, that would make sense. Because I know they've done something like that a few times because everyone was convinced that the new millennium was going to kill everybody. <laughs> you know, good old Y2K. <laughs> and then there's 2012. I'm sure someone did something for that. Um, Yellowstone's got to be there somewhere. But, yeah, no, the, the scary thing is that the climate change thing is, like, you know, backed by this thing called science. I don't know if people yeah. have heard about it. Um, <laughs> What's science, Patrick? I don't believe in it. Oof. I just think things are going to continue the way they are without consequence. It's questionable. And that's great. <laughs> oh. God. Oh, late-stage capitalism. Jeez. Whew. I know. 
Nature's whack because you can't do anything about it. Really. Literally, you can, yeah. You can just run and hide. <laughs> That's it. Whew. That's my hot button and I want to scream. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny that it's a hot button too. Just... <sighs> nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> here we are, guys. Back um, at it. But I was talking about Porter Robinson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, which is actually an album. He re- mm-hmm. released an album this year called Nurture. Hey. And it's got like this really nice, kind of interesting album artwork. It's like it, maybe it's him. It's like someone like face down in like this super green field. And it's probably one of the most positive albums I've ever heard. Hey. And it like borders on cheesiness, which like. This bitch is in for cheesiness and corniness. I'm down. Hell yeah. But, like, it's also unlike this. I don't know. I just remember seeing a lot of stuff about um, when it first came out, a lot of posts about, like, oh, this is, a, this is like, you know, this, like, helped a lot with, like, my depression and stuff. So have you guys, like, found, like, an album or a piece of art that kind of has really helped you in a way like that? Ooh. And I'm going to go take a call. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I guess... For me, as I was talking about um, when we were on Zoom yesterday, Mac Miller is like a huge influence um, for me musically. And um, I guess there's a lot of uh, all of his albums, but the most recent one I think has been like really impactful as far as like emotions and like just what it like brings you to I guess the feelings that it makes you have um Patrick we're talking about Mac Miller's most recent album Mm -hmm. called Circles um but yeah it's just the art behind it and then I was watching some like videos on the um what's it called Patrick you were telling me about it a music theory right and on the the music theory behind it or was it like the yeah yeah or the podcast song it was like the it was the music theory behind it i don't think it was song exploder um and it was just talking about like the different chords and how it ended on certain chords and how that literally like the album is called circles and it was talking about how Mm -hmm. it literally brings it in circles or makes it like have an unfinished feeling because it's a certain chord like a e major seven i think is like one of the chords that it ended on and that's a chord where it just kind of feels like just a little bit off, but just mm-hmm. enough to like make you feel without really noticing it. Yeah. And so music, oh, music theory is like it. fascinating because then you have like those little things, like there's certain like endings to songs. Like it all depends on like the key. So if you're like, like ending on a seven is always funky because you do have like that jazz chord. So there's like a level of dis- dissonance. So it wants to resolve. Yeah. So, like, in each key, there's, like, just if you have, like, a standard major key, you have, like, like 80% of your big hits are going to be your one four five songs, which is your three-chord songs, where you're hitting the three major chords in that key. Um, so right. you can actually, like, I'm pretty sure I played, my friend Connor and I, we did, like, a medley at a coffee shop once where we just played, like, G, C, D over and over, and we covered, like, eight to ten choruses of, like, pop songs because, I mean, it's major so it sticks in a lot of people's heads and stuff so it's just easy to work with um right and like 
um there's just so many songs you can fit in there but like based on like the degrees of like your chords um so if you end on like a one so that's like if you're in the key of a a major would be your first tone so that's your one first degree or like one um number one chord so ending on that is kind of like you came to a resolve where you started from most likely right so if you add like that seventh you have like a dissonance um because to kind of be in like western music we have um we're based on like a at 440 hertz and one thing i'm interested in looking into more is that we kind of have like a lot of music now is based on like the western definition of music and like there's certain ways that you can interpret music and so for us harmony and harmony and melody is considered like beautiful and um you know is pleasurable where dissonance is kind of like it's like that you know nails on a chalkboard kind of thing but then there's also like certain like cultures that prefer dissonance over the harmony and melody so basically and that actually ties back into science because like at wavelengths you get like a resonance and that's how you get chords and everything because the wavelengths are in like certain um they're vibrating at certain um frequencies in relative to each other and then that was super that's part of why that helped you know me really hit my stride with my space nerd stuff because then you have like um moments of resonance such as the moons of jupiter and i can go on on random tangents about space and music forever um but there there you go (laughs) so there's like certain endings and stuff so there's this one type of chord called a diminished chord which is always your seventh chord in like a major key and so like with that one if you ever play it like in if you're looking at a keyboard you would play your b your d and your f notes together and it Mm -hmm. just sounds like it needs to go somewhere because it's a minor third on top of a minor third between those three keys i'm getting like super technical and i do not mean to be but i'm really excited (laughs) at the moment um and then so it wants to resolve to a c so if you play like that and then you just play a c chord after it your ceg it will just feel right so there's like a an artistic expression where you kind of like if you end on like a major seven or like a minor seven or a diminished chord or an augmented chord it just doesn't feel complete and that can really be a huge part of you know in the meaning and i really appreciate that yeah. but it doesn't so land with everybody so i do right. love when you catch onto those little things and sometimes there's a lot of artists that throw random time signatures at you that you don't expect which is fascinating <laughs> just that <laughs> yeah it's yeah it was really cool like learning about all of that and it was pretty much what you're saying how it felt like that just like unresolved and unfinished um ending on that chord and then it starts up the first song in the album starts up with the next chord that would resolve it and so that's why it was kind of like that theory of like circles and i was like no way and the thing is he passed away so no one really knows if that was intentional or if that just like happened and i was like ah that's great that's incredible (laughs) yeah um I know, man. I love listening to albums full through. Do you yes. like sit down and just listen to an album like front to end? So yeah, sometimes there's times where yeah. I have like my my playlist, you know, oh, of go course. down the playlist. But then there's certain artists where I will just sit there and listen to the album like full through. I guess mm-hmm. I think one of those um, 
recently is J. Cole's um, For Your Eyes album. Okay. I don't know if you've heard that one, but like just sitting there and like listening to it all the way through is it's it's different than just listening to individual songs and I feel like you get to know the story behind the whole yes. album and all that stuff. What about you? Do you have a favorite one to just vibe out to? Ew. I love I love when I can sit down and listen to a full album cuz that means I've like dedicated this time like I go for a long drive and I'm like I'm going to listen to this album. Yeah. Um, um, there's a couple that I keep going back to. I was, I was going to make a joke about how my taste in music isn't like mainstream, but the things I'm about to list are extremely mainstream. <laughs> but, um, like one of, one of the albums I love sitting down and listening to is actually, um, Billie Eilish's uh, Where Do We Go When We Fall Asleep yes, album. I have it on, so I have it on vinyl and it's scratched, which sucks. But oh, um, no. I love sitting down and listening to that whole album. It's just, I don't know. There's it so takes much... you so many... What? No, I was going to say, there's so much talent in that album. It's yes. just like all around beautiful. It goes so many places and it takes you a bunch of places and it's just... Right. I don't know. I, it's, it's definitely like super melancholy when you sit down and listen to it. So I got to be in like the right, the right space to do it yeah, or the yeah. wrong space. Sometimes that's kind of fun, there you know, you <laughs> um, don't hurt yourself guys. But um, <laughs> I know it's, it's a bop. I also really like um, driving around to um, uh, uh, Hosier's Wasteland Baby album. Um, I was going to call it the Nina Cred Power album, but that's the EP and whatever. Um, I love just driving around to that. I, I don't know. I don't know if I've heard that one. Um, it's pretty good. I know like a few specific songs from, Ho- it's Hosier, right? Um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I was, I'm always like Hosier, Hosier. I don't know how to say it, but um, I only know like a few specific songs, but his music is, is amazing as well. They're just, uh, they're so interesting. And I yeah. love, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like a weird guy and I lo- appreciate that a lot. Right. Like being yourself as yeah. an individual and as an artist and to be mm-hmm. able to, you know, make and create the music that just like works best for yes. And no like real fake shit. Cause it's like, if you like this song's about like bog people love and he's like, yeah, it's, that's it. <laughs> bog right? people. And I'm like, I love that. Or like just songs that could be about werewolves actually about a werewolf. Love that. Exactly. Yeah. Just like writing about whatever comes to your heart. And it, when you say that, like you said, bog people, what was it called again? Oh, like bog. It, the the song is, um, I think, like real people do, and it's just like literally about like people, like not people, people, like trying to, I don't know, not people, people. I think it's cool when people can take or artists can take like a whole random weird topic and just turn it into a whole idea and vibe and everything and use it in creativity. And it doesn't come out cheesy either or like corny, which is fine if it does, but like, I like how people can make it into something that's listenable for everybody. Yeah. I know when you can take something and be authentic with it, it's cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, authenticity is like my number one value when it comes to like writing music and like interpreting and like I guess just consuming music or any medium really is like because like you can first you can like definitely tell when something is like forced and just isn't 
authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and it sucks, kind of honestly. Like I feel like it comes off a lot more in like performance as opposed to like recording. Because I think with like, especially with music, like you can record and be like, you can act with it a little bit, and that's how you can get some different like emotions and elicit different like performances and get different stuff from that recording which i think is super cool Um, Mm -hmm. right but it's also just like when you're performing and you can see like you know the song is just not it's empty you can definitely tell which ultimately kind of sucks yeah because then it affects the whole like the energy that the artist is giving off especially if they're performing it and Mm -hmm. people can read that even if they might not know the person, I feel like people can still feel that regardless of, you know, knowing, truly knowing what's up. Yeah. Yeah, just sort of going through the motions of a performance or, like, a song instead of, like, experiencing that the same way you could do, like, in, like, making things, you know? Um authenticity and like things that actually have life i've been scrolling through instagram a lot these days um (laughs) and it's just so interesting the shit that you come across because it's like even if two pieces like are pretty similar you can you can sometimes just feel that one is just going through the motions and isn't like doesn't have doesn't have a soul it's a thing it exists it's beautiful but there's nothing else to it which is so sad well, I think right. there's also uses for those kind of things too. Like sure. we've talked about, like, uh, um, like I've got, I've talked about how like I've gotten to a point where I, like forced myself to like finish writing that song, because then there's going to be bits and pieces that maybe I like, bits and pieces I hate, and then you know I don't have to use it. It doesn't have to be like one of my songs kind of thing, but it's it does help to kind of go through that thing and finish that little project, even if you're not that big of a fan of it. And I think that's one way that you can end up with kind of like these surface level pieces just going through the motions and sometimes you have to go through the motions to because it's you know yeah, that's at the end of the day everything it's, is. it's mm-hmm. still yeah but I think it's it's different if it's literally just churning out for like like we've talked about like you brought up with social media is like the pressure to I need to post something today yeah and it's like oh yeah because it can like become a job and a chore and it and I think that's where you lose the authenticity because then you forget why you're doing it in the first place and then it shows through like you know clearly like you see we we notice it and not right. just you know us as being like people who create but like everyone else can see that too they can notice it Mhm I think that's interesting cuz for me, sometimes, and I know you were, we, you, you and I had a conversation before about like finishing projects, and you just said that about, you know, sometimes it can miss the meaning and miss the emotion and stuff like that. And something I've faced recently is that like overcoming, you know, finishing a project when you're no longer in that same space or mm-hmm. attached to those same emotions anymore. And feeling like you're forcing it out, even though it still is a good idea and a good song, but wanting to have that consistency with actually getting it done and, you know, finishing each project. 
yeah but not making it feel fake and it's hard to get yourself like back into that same mindset like for me that I had when I started the song or when I was like really in a bad mood and you know writing this super you know angsty lyrics or whatever and then trying to go back and finish that up sometimes I feel like can make it feel like it's forced it's I'm trying to think of, of like a way to describe how I'm feeling because I'm thinking about um, completing things even when you're not in that headspace, which kind of sucks to do. I love being in the mood of like, yeah, I love working on this. This is great. Yeah. Um, but then I have pieces where it's like, I guess I need to finish this just for whatever reason it is. I just have to finish it. Right. Um, whether right. it's because I told myself that I would do it because I have a deadline because it's for some whatever. Um, and it's like. It's not that it ends up being empty. I just kind of, the the analogy that I ended up coming up with, it's like when you're feeling your outfit, but you're buttoning up, you know? It's like putting on the clothes is just sort of part of the process to experience the outfit again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really good analogy. Yeah, because it's it's just going through the steps. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, is hard when you're not feeling something. Yeah. Um, And even if the... um, the outfit ends up being just pretty mediocre, even if the um, the thing that you were working on just ends up being like, okay, well, whatever, it's done. Like, mm-hmm. that's an accomplishment, you know? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you do just have to go through the steps to get there. Even Gotta if put you on your socks, it. bitch. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because, like, going through the motions and stuff, like, sometimes I abandon that project, and sometimes it, like, you know it pops up later and then I find pieces and I reuse them and put them into projects that it fits that new headspace for Mm -hmm. this new idea kind of thing. Like you never know. Right. It is such a satisfying feeling when you find something like old in your notes or your voice memos and you're like working on a song currently and can't figure out what to write for it. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, this is literally perfect. And it just fits like, perfectly Mm -hmm. fits like that last puzzle piece that's a really satisfying feeling yeah and i also think with just finding old stuff and being like because sometimes this is like renewed my own confidence is like finding old stuff and being like because i think i just go into the um experience of like revisiting these things expecting them to be terrible and like cringy (laughs) right but then like i listen or like read it and i'm like that's not that's not bad like i was doing pretty good four or five years ago like damn i did that (laughs) i did yeah and i think it's just you know as like our own worst critics and stuff or at least i'm definitely my own worst critic is it's just like give yourself credit like yeah you have done some cool stuff like and you it sounds great it looks great like give yourself a break like you've put in the work and it's paid off and i think a lot of times it's easy to forget that exactly I definitely agree with that because I feel like as I feel like I don't know if it's most artists, but I feel like a lot of the people that I come across who are artists, they are always definitely their own worst critic. Like someone might hear the song or hear the verse or the recording and be like, yo, that's dope. And then they might hear it and be like, no, that's that's terrible because of this and this and this that someone else would never, you know, notice. But it's just because you're your own worst critic that you're thinking those things. Like, can't you see what I did wrong there? And they're like, no. No, like, no, it's fine. 
<laughs> yeah. If there's one thing I have learned from performing a lot, the audience, unless the mess up is huge, they don't know. They won't notice. Right. Or like, if they do, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because then they're there and it's, you know, it's a goof and it's funny. And like that was one thing that kind of was, became ingrained in like my performances. Like when I did the monthly basement gigs, is like, I was in high school, I was going through fucking puberty. Everyone came and they, I'd have like a voice crack because I'd push my voice to the limit and everyone would be super hyped about it. <laughs> That's awesome. That was, like, that, that was like the patty guarantee. Was <laughs> the patty get guarantee. Some weird goof like that or i do this thing where i am pretty bad at remembering lyrics and i will forget the lyrics to my own songs that's right yeah i've even seen like big artists do the same thing actually beth we were just talking about Billie eilish's like um bad guy album i saw a video it might have been on her documentary, but I saw this video of her like performing one of the best songs on the album and she forgot like the whole first verse of the words and like messed it up. But like Oh my god. Everyone else that she was like around and like her family and the people, her team and everything, mm-hmm. everyone was like, No, you're fine. Like nobody cared. Like nobody even really noticed. If they did, they were like cool with it because they're there for you. Like they love Ooh, you. Thanks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right <laughs> so i agree with that like yeah. it, it doesn't matter if you mess up you know it's more about the experience and everybody does it we all forget yeah. our lyrics we all mm-hmm. you know see a, a crowd or whatever and i've only performed once but it was horrifying you know <laughs> so yeah. and every artist has a faith who is in the faith the person who was on our podcast who is in the crowd and knows the lyrics for you and will has your back like, exactly like she's you know done that for our shows then there's someone out there who's gonna do that for your shows too like mm-hmm. somebody cares about your music and you know if you mess up that's fine they still they're there for a reason because your music you know your art touched them and it you know right had an influence on them and that's what brought them there or they care about you and they're supporting you and that's what matters and that's just yeah. as good too. Yeah. I was also thinking, um, sometimes it's like uh, something about seeing somebody fuck up is really, um, I can't think of the word, but it it's makes like them humanizing. Yes, exactly. It's like, and you're suddenly like on their team in a way that like um, you might have not been before, at least in my experience, like experiencing yeah. people like fuck up like publicly on stage or like live or whatever. And it's like, the next time they do it or or when they continue, everyone's like, fuck yes, keep going, you know? Yeah. Like, don't quit. <laughs> like, you it's, know? Yeah. Keep going. That's what I loved about going to, like, small shows at, like, in Denver, if you're familiar, like, Seventh Circle, the Marquee, uh, the Moon Room, because the artists would, like, hang out at the merch tables afterwards, and sometimes, like, those were bands that, like, you idolize and there's like you can't believe that they're like there and that's what one thing that was super cool about van's warp tour too was that oh yeah <laughs> all of these scene and like high school kids who are like you saved my life it's like it kind of gives them the opportunity to realize that putting these people on a pedestal is a little absurd and unfair to these artists and stuff because yeah. they're just people 
and so I think that that's one thing that really helped like I really loved about the small concerts was just like meeting the artists afterwards and being like they're just people and then like I've gotten I had there was like I had this one guy came this one kid came up after a show and he had me sign his hat after a show at the marquee and I like just didn't know exactly how to like you know react and just like you just talk like people are just people that's all it is right and you know that's so cool like, though that someone like came up and asked for your signature after a show that's that's got to be a good feeling it was weird I in my mind I was like now you have to pay someone to get rid of that hat but cool <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah that's 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 pretty cool though um but it, it is interesting how we put like just our society and how we like put these artists on a pedestal and it's almost like toxic you know mm-hmm. and now oh, these days with like toxic yeah well yeah definitely toxic but now these days with the you know cancel culture it's like someone messes up in one little way or says one little thing and everyone's like jumping on them trying to like quote-unquote cancel them as if they're not mm-hmm. a human being you know yeah yeah and i think i think it's interesting because cancel culture i would argue was born from the best intentions and initially mm-hmm. is the right ultimately like cancel culture how i think it should be is good because holding people accountable isn't bad yeah yes, exactly Make, but assuming what I, what every, I, yeah yeah i think it's like people trying to take it too far it's like oh this person is kind of a bad person it's like we all fucking suck <laughs> um, exactly but what it comes down to is like especially seeing like a lot of artists say like and this was like one thing that kind of made me really not a fan of the pub pug scene even down to like the local level is you had people like you watched front porch step you watched um brand new and all of these people and like you know the was the guitarist newfound glory you know come out and get exposed for like pedophilia kind of stuff and it's just like that's what cancel culture is full for those people do not belong anywhere in like the public eye like that right those people need to be canceled and fucking buried like there's (laughs) no place for that anywhere but then when you turn it in it's just like oh this person like you know what was it if it's just like a minor thing, it's like oh they tip twelve percent instead of fifteen percent. Let's cancel. It's like, it's like come on. Should they've tipped more? Yes, but yeah, you know, that's exactly. Hopefully that exposure will get them to be like that. Was, that kind of sucked, or there's a reason behind it, or whatnot. So right, it's just like always tip twenty percent, people. Yes, <laughs> definitely, and like I don't know some people who just have never worked in a restaurant and then are like well the service was bad and i'm like well it's not always just their fault like sometimes there's Mm -hmm. more people involved you know Mm -hmm. so just tip they did work you know yeah um yeah but i think it's interesting because i agree with you on that like cancel culture for the reasons that it should be there is a good thing but then so i used to be a nanny for this family and they had a 13 year old girl and she you know like tiktok and all of that stuff and she was on tiktok and one day she came up to me and she was like oh we're canceling um this artist's name her name is madison beer i don't know if you guys have ever heard of her Mm -hmm. but i was like oh what'd she do and she was like well someone said that she lied and i was like 
do you even know what she lied about? You know, I'm like, this is someone's like whole career. And you guys are just jumping on this bandwagon of, oh, this person lied. So we're going to all cancel them. Lied about what? I know. I'm like, do you even know her? Who said that? You know, can you trust the person who said that? You know, where's the facts at? It's just, I think in some ways, a little whack mm-hmm. yeah but agreed on the things where it comes to like pedophilia or like racism or anything like that cancel culture or like yeah all the way like yeah. definitely those people do not need a platform in any way shape or form yeah and like i'm also interested because i've seen this a lot too so i'm interested in your now we're, we're on the topic um this is we're straying a little away from like inspiration and whatnot but so it's all good on <laughs> the topic of cancel culture seeing you know we have seen politicians we've seen artists we've seen celebrities um you know get canceled for things that they've said like a decade ago right how do you feel um is a the best way an adequate way to respond to that oh that's tough because those are things that someone said, you know, and if the, mm-hmm. like the evidence is still there and it was, I guess, if they said it, it was who they are at a point. I think people can grow and they can change and we should give them the opportunity to do that and holding them to a standard of something they said when they were 15 and ignorant is, I think, a, just a little unforgiving in a sense. I feel like there should be a sense of forgiveness. But if that person isn't willing to say, yeah, I did that and I said that and that happened and that was wrong and this is why I know how and this is what I've learned about it. And like, you know, been mature enough to come out and be like, I'm owning this and I'm human and back then I was not a great one or whatever. I think people do deserve a chance to actually, you know, show for themselves who they are nowadays but it's one thing if it was like 10 years ago but then they're still doing that same thing today just in secret or whatever like that like Mm -hmm. in that fact it's like come on dude like just just stop (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's the key is that i feel like people like and i've seen this in almost like every single like apology that you see which is you know fucking don't follow anybody on youtube like jesus because um, <laughs> you get those so just an apology video every week but um essentially what it is is like that acknowledgement is key yeah and i think especially like what i was kind of targeting on that is like it's like it, it's one thing i definitely agree like it's one thing if it's like you're 15 like you're becoming an adult you're forming these ideas and like, that's when you're most likely to be influenced and stuff. You're most right. vulnerable to some kind of change and can be radicalized in some way. Um, and so I think, like, before you get to, like, 17 or 18, like, you should be held accountable for what you did, but it's not a make-or-break kind of thing. Right. You know, like, you were a kid. We were all dumb kids at one point. <laughs> that doesn't excuse all behavior. Like, Kyle Rittenhouse, you're not excused. You fucking suck. You killed someone. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, but like we all make mistakes and we say stupid shit. If it's verbal, like it's hurtful, but that's, you know, something that you can grow from. Exactly. Uh, 
but like what I was kind of aiming at is we see a lot of politicians who refuse to acknowledge that or like the lead singer for brand new in his whole apology note about um, his accusation the accusations that he still made the apology about himself uh, and, yeah Mm-mm. yeah and so that's just like it's disgusting to see that kind of thing and it's just like trying to be like and in that he did acknowledge like yeah I did this and the other thing and it's like but then me and it's like no, not poor you. It's yeah. not about like, you anymore. It's about the people you exactly. fuck. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. And, like, and... yeah, exactly. And, like, for me, too, it's just, like, sorry to interrupt there, but, like, one thing was, uh, like, we see this huge person that we, that everybody's aware of right now that I'm just not super um, happy with how they have approached their previous wrongdoings that have literally helped shape the current racial landscape of our country is... This guy named Joe, you might have heard of him. Um, he's kind of <laughs> like the president. Um, and I, like, he's acknowledged some things to an extent, but he has not fully embraced the impact of what his previous actions, you know, did to this country with yeah. all of the tough on crime acts in the 90s and stuff that he helped push. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a clear plan of action to undo or right those wrongs. And I think that for me, that's the closest that someone of his age can get to that kind of point where it's like, okay, so acknowledge what you did. Now kind of walk us through like, you know, how have you grown from that, you know, point? And like, how will you, you know, what have you learned? How is it wrong? And then like, how are you going to like improve and build from that? Because it's not enough to just be like, yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. Like, like you can't erase that that and there was yes, damage exactly. that came from that and so like and i'm sorry isn't gonna f- affect that and it's crazy that we're on this topic because like even in personal relationships i feel like this happens where someone mm-hmm. you know says something or does something and then they make an apology or about them or the situation about them yep. instead of being mature enough to just say like okay here i am i i was wrong for saying this Instead of, like, defending themselves. And then, like, this is what I'm going to do going forward to fix it and to be better. And I think as far as, you know, Joe Biden goes, I 100% agree with you. There needs to be that level of accountability, but there also has to be, like, all right, this is what we're going to do to, you know, come back from that. Like, I've learned from this, and now I know more. I've done more research. I understand a lot more, and now we can take things to a better level, especially if you're in a position of power to be able to do that. I think that's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. So I could yeah. go on for and days about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would recommend a good album to listen to that I feel like touches on a lot of these topics, especially as someone who was in a position where you were wronged to be able to forgive someone kind of thing is... Uh, the album After Laughter by Paramore, because I remember <laughs> one of those lines that our wonderful friend Haley Williams bestowed upon us was, forgiving is not forgetting. And I feel like that's one thing that's very difficult for a lot of people to, um, you know, you know to... Uh, handle and deal with is, uh, you know, um, just like if you forgive someone, that doesn't mean that you forget what happened. And that's right. something that I have been hit with a lot in like my personal relationships and like 
especially if we're reaching into like artists and politicians and stuff is like yeah we can forgive certain people um but that doesn't mean that we're gonna forget what happened and what they did exactly um, kind of thing and the um yeah like the best apology is uh I've, it's changed something, but I forgot what the word it actually Ch- is. Behavior? Changed behavior, yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I was going to say changed actions. <laughs> changed actions. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's really tough when I feel like if someone has that position of power and they're not willing to show you or show or acknowledge or whatever it is that they're working to change their actions. I just, mm. It's tough because I feel like I want to say like a lot of people deserve a second chance, but then there's just those people yeah. where it's like you don't, you shouldn't have the another chance to be able to do this again. You know, mm-hmm. there's just like some people and those lines that you cross and it's one thing if it was like a really long time ago and you've learned from it and stuff but if you continue to do it or won't acknowledge it or even attempt to change it's just like come on come on dude like <laughs> just just be a decent human you know mm-hmm. at the yeah, very yeah. least and, yeah and like if you get hit with something from your past like that that you don't even remember i think it's it can be hard, and like your first instinct is to defend yourself. But I think yeah. the right the right course of action is to take the hit. Mm-hmm. Don't go into damage control mode mode, because right. like that just shows that you matter over the fact that you you matter more to yourself over the fact that you grew. If that sentence even made any sense whatsoever, no, because <laughs> it's like you could just be like, oh, I was young and stupid, but it's like more like understanding like I know the things I said would hurt people in these ways and I've I've grown up you know I understand the repercussions of my actions now like you know yes when I was like 13 on the internet I didn't really yeah, have no. that comprehension you know right yeah and then to yeah, make I... like those sorry to make those like you know situations like oh pity me like it was back then and I like just just own it at the very least own yeah. it and just say you did wrong and i i feel like a lot of the people in this world lack the maturity or the awareness to you know step outside themselves and make it about not about them mm-hmm. and yeah don't be a karen start caring lol (laughs) that's good (laughs) i thought about that for like a solid minute there it's like don't be a karen start yeah no that's that's something that gets brought up a lot in um a lot of anti-racist literature such as literally that's what white fragility is um yeah which is a good book but i would recommend that you should um i can't name uh it's the book by austin channing brown Hey everybody, this is your host Patrick Garner tuning in in post-production here to let you know that the title of the book I failed to recall is I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. And I absolutely suggest you read this book. It is extremely important. All right, thanks guys. That book is incredible. You should definitely read that. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. You should also read How to Be an Anti-Racist by... Um, Ibram X. Kendi, that is a wonderful book. And also the workbook, uh, Me and White Supremacy. Very 
good books to kind of work through and address, you know, your own internal biases and stuff. And one thing that they, they all hit on are the idea of white fragility where literally what happens is instead of facing what you're accused of, you focus on and get other people who are calling you out to basically comfort you over the fact that you're uncomfortable with facing your wrongdoing. Exactly. And that's essentially how a lot of people react to cancel culture is just in that white fragility way. Like, you see it with everybody. You see it with everybody. And it's horrifying. It is. Make you think it's not their fault. It's like, bitch, you're literally the one that did this. Yeah. It's like, you're the one who said that. You're the one who did this thing. But you're going to sit here and act like someone calling you out on it is you know is what's more important than the fact that you did or said that and hurt other people mm-hmm. so and then cue the alligator tears <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i think i'm on that kind of political note a little bit i mean, political um ish but what i have a very strong opinion on what the best album of 2020 was and i'm interested (laughs) and it's also like politically driven and just like at the sheer luck of what the timing of when it was released was but sophie i'm interested what do you think was the album of 2020 for you oh i don't even i don't even know top 20 what was (laughs) right like my 2020 wrapped up i don't even know what i could say that the best album of 2020 was i don't even remember which albums were specifically dropped in 2020 i'm curious to know which album you're talking about though because i feel like i might know which one it is hands down hands down rtj4 by run the jewels because oh yeah you sent that to me literally that album dropped on what like june 4th i believe it just turned one year old um and literally like that album was written and recorded in 2019. So right. we had no idea COVID was happening. We had no idea the huge um, Black Lives Matter movement um, would pick back up after um, George Floyd, which that all of that events, all of those events like kicked up and started a week before that album dropped. And then that album hit on a lot of how, you know, racism is very prevalent in America, how police brutality is very regular um, basically calling out issues in the schooling system and capitalism and everything and basically what America was built on. And it came out like right at that Damn. time and just like all of the topics that they covered were so, you know, prevalent and just they hit the nail on the head for everything that was going on at the moment. And it was like, are you guys wizards? What just happened? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, it's insane. And that... Oh my god, that album is one that you've just got to listen to front to back and it is fucking incredible. I'll have to I'll have to listen and to it. You have to listen to all of their music too because it is all just incredible. <laughs> but that album just tied with everything that happened, I it was just unreal. Yeah. And I love their ability to collaborate like on that album you have like Pharrell features, you have um um, Zach De La Rocha from um, Rage Against the Machine, who's kind of, they consider like their 
unofficial third member. Like, it's just unreal. Hmm. I will definitely have to listen to that front to back. For me, in 2020, I guess, as far as albums go, I don't know that I, like, pertaining to all the political things, I don't think that there were a lot of, or, or any specific albums that I really listen to to associate with that but there were a lot of like individual songs from you know years back which have talked about all of the you know topics that that were super and still are um you know just becoming more and more people were becoming more and more aware of it and it's certain right. songs where it talks about like the racism that's been here and it's like people are just now becoming aware of it but these people have been experiencing this their whole lives, you know. And there were a lot of songs that I related with that. And I know for sure, you know how on Instagram you can link songs and have it play the lyrics. There was a lot of those that I was playing just to mm-hmm. like show the point of like what these lyrics were and how this song was, you know, back from when we were kids or we were in high school and they were talking about the things that are going on today. And this isn't something that's just new. This has been here. Mm -hmm. And so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Music is a great, I feel like, a great um, way to just talk about all of this stuff. And just how important everything is. And it's a great way to spread knowledge and give different perspectives, too. So... Art helps start and fuel revolutions. Yes. <laughs> Let's see it on all, all fronts. So you got graffiti, you got music, you've got all this kind of stuff. Like it's, it's all there. Right. Well, I also, I think we have definitely blown away past time, which <laughs> is fun. But this would be so fun for you to edit, Patty. Oh, yes, God. Yes, we got a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be so much juicy content okay right um, <laughs> tornadoes so also, I, have, <laughs> I think i'll probably call this episode something like uh oh man something wild like uh lyricism joe biden tornadoes and sophia broadwell hey. <laughs> like that. that's funny um, um and so I was also interested, since you just mentioned the difference between, like, albums and just singles, that's something that we've talked about as well on the show that I'm interested in because I know that you have released, um, I think, just singles so mm-hmm. far, correct? Yeah. So do you think that you would ever release an album or an EP, or would you? do you think you'll always stick to singles, at least for the foreseeable future? For now, I'll probably stick to singles. When I actually first started making music and I was rapping and everything, I released um, an EP with like six or seven songs, and that has since been taken mm-hmm. down because I no longer <laughs> appreciate it. But um, So I did release like an EP back then, but that was you know, recorded on GarageBand with Apple headphones and stuff. But for the foreseeable future, like recently, I think for now I'll be sticking with singles. Um, and I'm, I would like to do an EP or an album, but I think it's just a matter of, you know, working up to it, dedicating some more time and making sure that it's, it's um, cohesive and tying mm-hmm. it all together. And, um, I think it's just like a pressure for me around an album. I would want it to 
have a story and be cohesive, but at the same time, you know, each song have its own individual like meaning and vibe behind it. And I guess it's just easier for me right now to do singles because like I said, I make songs off of emotion or what I'm going through. And so it's just like in the moment and I'm making mm-hmm. this thing and then I release it because if I sit on it for too long, I end up being like, mm, do I really need to release this? Is this good enough? You know, your own worst critic. So I probably release it anyway. Right. That's that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get myself to just release everything. Have like a have like a b-side like band camp site um page that <laughs> yes. you don't tell anyone about just tell a couple of us like i'm pretty sure that's where you can find the original acoustic recording of chaser by maddie's changed and the first recorded rendition of break lights break lights and weed by gestalt oh somewhere on Bandcamp. huh that's probably um, my favorite gestalt song thanks guys <laughs> i know in a in a previous episode you guys talked about releasing and i told you that i loved that episode yeah. already releasing <laughs> just like a com- compilation of like all these songs and just having it be anonymous like songs that you would never release as an artist or like as an individual and i have too many of those and so i think we should do that for sure i guess we just have to we'll just that call it like awesome. um we'll just have the album the artist be fueled by lore and the out. Al- <laughs> The yes. album will be like, oopsie. Yes, oopsie. I love it. So, yeah. Fueled by Lauren, cool. friends. Oops, yeah. all graveyard sketches. Oops. <laughs> Oops, all graveyard. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Guess that, the artist. Oh, shit. I think that's going to have to happen. I throw one in there. No, just... Beth has like a, like a... A heavy metal single. I was gonna say like a low key like screamo song. <laughs> yeah, surprise guys. Oh. Um, so Sophie, do you have? Do you think you'll return to performing anytime soon? Or I think I I want to work up to it. I think for performing, I really want to be able to play and sing at the same mm-hmm. time, and you know, perform my songs and play the instruments that are in my songs. And so I'm kind of working on learning how to play guitar and sing and you know be able to do these things because i want to i want it to be more of like an interactive and musical feeling when i -hmm. perform so i think somewhere in the future i couldn't say like super near future but yes i would like to definitely perform hell yeah hell yeah okay so we have a couple more things here um so first (laughs) off would you uh would you Please be so kind as to plug your shit. Where can we plug find your you? Shit. Wait, to do what? Plug oh. your shit. Where can we find you? Oh. Where's your handles? Where can we find you? Oh, yeah, your music? Yeah. Um, spot on Instagram, it's at Luca Rose. It's L-U-K-K-A and then R-O-S-E. So that's my Instagram. And then there's a link in my bio if you want to, you know, find Apple Music or whatever. But I'm also on Spotify as luca rose and apple music as luca rose i have some songs on soundcloud but i don't release everything on there but it's all under the same artist name so um that's me plugging my shit hell yeah (laughs) hell yeah any singles coming out soon what was that sorry oh (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, you looked Zoom's up my Instagram? Sorry. Is that what you said? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm on there Thank now. you. Thank you. Um, I do have a single coming out soon. It's going to be called, I, for now, I think the name is going to be called The Way. Um, and it's almost done. I just have some tweaking to do and then a little bit of mixing and mastering. And she should be on her way out soon, hopefully within a month. I'm hoping not to take Heck any yeah. longer than that. Hell yeah. So, yeah. Sweet. So right. there we well, go. Beth, do you want to close us out with our wonderful closing question? Let's do it. Well, I'm so excited for you to like post new shit. And I'm excited to listen to it. I'm excited to see where you go. And I'm excited to learn one more thing about you, Sophia. Oop. Um, we've been asking people this and we're just, we're just always curious. What feels like home to you? What feels like home? Yeah. Ooh. Could be anything. I think it's, hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I wouldn't say it's a place. I think maybe like people, like certain people feel like home, if that makes sense. Just yeah. being around like a certain group of people or like someone you really, it doesn't even have to be someone you've like always known. But I feel like when you have that connection with people in like conversation and feeling like things are real, I feel like that is something that feels like home. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's my answer. That's nice. I like that. Thanks. Mm. Well, human connection yes yes authentic the thing that we've all been lacking oh yeah authentic yes human authentic human mm. connect- connection authentic human hugs yes, yes. we love hugs <laughs> <laughs> spent the last year trying to mend the way you left me lying wide out in my bed so much for being on our podcast oh yeah thanks um, guys for having me this was yeah this thank was you for fun. having such an interesting it's been a ride <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for joining us for not one but two recording Woo-hoo. sessions <laughs> it's been great Ooh.